last week, talking about, you know, how we were talking about being not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. This week, we're going to dig more into what the renewing of your mind looks like. So it's, it's not, it's a just, we're actually going to go back to like the same verse that Matt was in. So think of this less as a sequel lesson and more of a, like whatever you call the thing they did with the last Harry Potter movie where they split it into two. You know, so it's like, it's the same, you know, we are continuing the same discussion. Last week, Matt talked about how we have, you know, he went to Colossians 3 and talked about the various practices, various things we have in our lives before we come to know Jesus that need to be put off when we come to know him and then the good things that we need to to add, you know, to bring into our lives. And he likened it to taking off a really dirty, nasty outfit and receiving a better, clean one from Jesus. However, as some of you may have noticed, you, I, I don't think a lot of people walked out of the room that week and then immediately had no more, no more troubles. Like, they just, all of the, all the bad things gone, all the good things in, everything is set, and now you're good, you can coast for the rest of your life, right? Uh, that, that did not happen to me. I'll be the first to admit it, and uh, I suspect that probably didn't happen for many people. Well, the thing is, the renewal of our minds is a process that begins when we, you know, acknowledge Jesus, acknowledge that we need to get rid of the bad and bring in the good and all that. It begins there, but it doesn't end there. I mean, so the renewing of our minds is a process, which is one of those things that nobody likes to hear. Nobody likes to hear like, oh yeah, getting in shape is a process. Getting, you know, getting good at a musical instrument is a process. But it is. I mean, because really, we're kind of coming out of one world and going into a different one. I mean, we're kind of coming out of one way of living, one way of thinking, one set of values, and going to a new one. I mean, me, I'm a, I'm a software guy. My, the example I think of is going from, like, one operating system to another, going from, like, an iPhone to an Android. Like, you got to find out where all the apps are again and all that. But really, yeah, it's, it's a process of learning what's... How do I, you know, how do I think now? You know, it's like, because we're called to renew our minds, like, to have, like, different, even, very, even thoughts, even desires, even, you know, things that we value. I mean, I, I kind of think of it like this, like, you know, if you, like, if you, if you, if you try and hand a little kid, like, real, real small kid, like, the, give him the choice between, like, $100, like, a $100 bill and, like, a Happy Meal toy, unless the kid has a weird fascination for paper, he's probably going to take the colorful Happy Meal toy. Like, he does not get the value of that dollar, of that $100 bill. You know, it's like, and coming out, you know, coming, you know, coming out of our old way of living, coming into, you know, being transformed by Jesus, like, is a, ma- is a you know, is a process of learning, like, what is, what do we value now? So, so the rest of that verse, like, if you want to go ahead, if you have a Bible and want to open it to Romans 12 too, just so you have it there to reference, I'm going to jump around a lot. You're not, you don't have to follow me as I jump around, but if you could have, maybe just have that verse open. I'm going to read it again now, too, as, as well. So it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So there's more there than just renewing your mind. Like he, Paul goes on, Paul, the author of the book, um, goes on to say, 
that by testing you may discern the will of God. That is the goal. That is the point. That is what renewing our mind looks like. So in order to really kind of get what he's saying there, we first have to talk about what is the will of God. Because we don't actually use the word will as a noun very much anymore, I've noticed. Like, we, we'll, we'll use the word, you know, willing, like I am willing to go there and do that, or I'm not willing to go there and do that. We'll use, we'll use it that way, or we'll use it in the form of a question, like, will I do that? Will he do that? But we don't really use it as a noun very much. God's will, then, is basically what God wants there to be, like how God wants things to be. God's will is when he says, like, hey, I, you know, like, I don't, you know, like, in the, like you might say in the Ten Commandments, like, hey, I don't want you guys lying to each other. That's bad. Like, that is God's will. But what's also a part of God's will is kind of his grand plan for whole, all of human history, right? I mean, it, it encompasses basically everything God's ever said. Like, when he started at the very beginning and said, let there be light, he willed that there would be light. It was his will that there would be light. So hopefully that makes some sense. Now, when I hear people talking about the will of God, though, I, I hear them generally referring to kind of one of two things, kind of two sort of subclasses, sub-genres, or whatever you want to call it, of God's will. And I kind of briefly mentioned them. One is, you know, God's divine plan for all of human history. And the way I normally hear that mentioned is kind of in the form of, it's usually talking about like, man, I want to know what God's will is for my life. Like, where, where should I go to college? Or who should I marry? Or should I buy a house? That one, that, I just bought a house. So that, that one, that's why that was on my mind. Uh, fun, fun fact, I asked God that question a lot. He did not give me a straight answer. Um, anyway, but that's, that's God, you know, that is, different, pe- different people have different words for what that kind of God's will is. I refer to it as God's plan. Some people call it God's will of decree because he decreed it all to be. I, I'm calling it God's plan tonight. And it's, it's easy to get lost in God's plan, like trying to figure out what is God's plan. The thing is, God doesn't really make his plans readily available to us. You know, try as you might, try as many of us might, like I said, like try as I might with the house, you know, like try to divine and discern what God's will is in a particular situation, like he is under no obligation to tell us. Most of the time, he doesn't say anything. Like, you hear, you know, I mean, you'll hear people tell stories of, like, oh, I saw God in a dream or something like that. That's never happened to me. Never, I don't know. I don't think I know anybody who's had that happen where God says, hey, you need to go do that thing right now in a dream. Then you wake up and, you're like, oh, now I know to go do that thing. That's not how it actually happens. You see, there's the second kind of God, you know, kind of God's will, once again, sub component of God's will, right? Like, these are both, these things are both God's will. But the second component of that is God's commandments. These are things that God has stated either directly or even indirectly in his word in the Bible. Unlike his plans, which God tends to keep secret, God's commandments are, you know, God's commandments are right here. Like I said, some of them are more obvious, like the aforementioned, you know, Ten Commandments, like, okay, don't, don't murder people, don't steal, don't covet. Don't, you know, it's like, okay, that's obvious. Some of them are weird, like, you know, I mean, there, there's a verse that says, like, don't boil a baby goat in its mother's milk. I don't know what on earth that's talking about. It's like, if, you, if you've done that, this is, it's okay, we forgive you, but uh, 
I did, yeah, I, I couldn't begin to tell you why you're not supposed to boil a young goat in its mother's milk. But like, so some, so some of them are more obvious, some of them are less obvious, but these are all things that God has revealed through his word. So that the trap then is getting hung up on the future things, what's going to happen, and trying to discern those when we ought to be trying to discern how we are to live our lives, how to think. Like, this is where we get back to the renewal of our minds. That happens when we begin to start questioning, like, you know, just what is good? Like, what is it, what is, how is it good for me to think now? How is it good for me to act now? You know, it's like we start off, you know, we, we come out of a situation where we just love ourselves and we'll just do everything for ourselves to try and make ourselves feel good. You know, it's like, and then we're moving into a world where it's all about God, loving God and desiring what he desires for us with the understanding that what he desires is perfect. So, there's a verse that talks about this that I, that I quite like. It's Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do the words of this law. The law being, in this case, God's commandments. I mean, the secret things belong to God. That is, what, you know, that is God's domain. That is what he, you know, he takes care of that. What he has revealed to us is what we are to do. And I mean, and I know, I know, it's, t- I know it's tough. You know, I particularly remember when, you know, one of the examples I mentioned previously is looking for a place to go to school. Like, this was a big struggle for me. Like, I wanted to go to college. You know, I, I had a place picked out down in Oregon, but it was out-of-state tuition. So I, you know, I kept trying, you know, I was trying to get a scholarship. Right? So there was a scholarship I could apply for. It was through a military. And they, I would have owed them four years of my life when I was done, but it would have been full ride. You know, so just, I'll, I think you can kind of see what God was doing there when, he, when this didn't pan out. But anyway... You know, that was another case where it's like, man, like, I really wish I could see what I'm supposed to do here. So, you know, I applied, you know, but I applied for this scholarship. I didn't get it. I talked to the guy, you know, I talked to, talked to one of the, the guys running the scholarship program. He was like, yeah, I don't know why I didn't get this. You're totally qualified. You should, you know, wait for the next round of applications, apply again. I apply again. I don't get it. You know, it's like, once again, I do not get it. So it's like, okay, so here's this, you know, school I want to go to that's going to cost me, a, like, ton of money if I go there. I'm going to be in debt for the rest of my life, which now that I bought a house, I'm actually going to be in debt for the rest of my life. Anyway, that's bes- so I guess I didn't really dodge that. Uh, but yeah, I remember though, after, after the scholarship stuff had all fallen through, I was sitting with my parents around the kitchen table. This was in the summer between when I moved from up in Port Angeles down to, and I didn't know I was going to be moving here at the time, but to Camas. And so we were at the kitchen table and we were talking about, like, what are we going to do about this? Because, you know, my parents were not big on me taking out a bajillion loans and I didn't want to try and put pressure on them to pay for it because funny thing about pastors is they, uh, most of their reward is in heaven, not on earth. Um, if you meet a rich pastor, you should be suspicious. Um, not saying that that's automatically bad. It's not saying pastors can't be rich. But if the pastor is rich, maybe wonder, maybe just kind of wonder, where, where's he getting all that? So anyway, Anyway, I didn't want to put that kind of pressure on my parents. And so I was, rack- we were racking our brains, trying to figure out, like, what, is, what am I supposed to do here? And then I get a phone call from D- WSU Vancouver, who I didn't even remember I'd applied to. 
I had completely forgotten about them. It was one of those, like, you know, it, one of those things, like, during my senior year at some point, my mom had been like, hey, we're moving down to campus. You should apply to that school. And I was like, okay, sure, mom. So I had, you know, I'd, you know, I'd already applied to, like, dozens of schools. I was tired of it, but they call me and ask me if I'm going to the orientation. I just look at my parents, and they're just like, yes. <laughs> it's like, and it worked out, it's like, and it, it worked out better than I could possibly have imagined. I don't know if I would even be here at all if it weren't for that. But what I, the, 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 and while I may have kind of strayed far from the point here, what I want to acknowledge is for all my efforts to try and figure out, like, what does God actually want me to do here? I'm at a loss. I'm just, I don't know what to do here. At the end of the day, like, there was one thing that God said to, you know, that God says in his word that they kind of guided me through that. And that was actually one of the obvious commandments. The ten, in the Ten Commandments, it says, honor your father and your mother. Like, in that moment, it's like I knew my parents, you know, were, you know, my, my parents were not thrilled about this choice of school, and so in that moment, I had to say, like, okay, like, I'm going to give this other one a chance. And, like I said, it worked out better than I could possibly imagine. I mean, if you take nothing else from that long-winded story, take this, that if you're following the commandments that God has revealed, if you're following the part of God's will that he has revealed to us, you will always be on the right track for the big stuff. I mean, if you're trying to discern the big stuff, you're basically trying to, you're doing fortune telling. That's, that's not renewing your mind, that's fortune telling, that's soothsaying. But if you're trying to discern God's commandments to you directly, that is renewing your mind. And so that is, in a nutshell, God's will. So there's another and part of this, though, right? So it's like he says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. So hopefully by now we've kind of established, okay, what is the will of God? But what is the testing here? Because in my mind, that conjures up a picture of a like paper test, you know, where you fill out the, the blanks or something like that, or you check, you know, like, it's like, you really feel like lying today. Should you A, lie to everyone, B, lie to some people, or C, like, lie to no one? Um, you know, that's what I kind of imagine. But it's like, that's not the kind of testing we're talking about. The great, actually, so... I'm going to pretend to be smarter than I am right now. I actually had to look. I actually looked this. I actually had to look this up. I don't actually didn't know this off the top of my head. But the Greek word here that they that Paul uses for testing implies practical testing, like taking something out and using it. So, like when you're trying to get your driver's license, you have a, a written exam where you show you have the knowledge, but then you have a dri- you know a driving exam where you actually sit behind the wheel of a car. Somebody with a you know clipboard sits next to you, and they have you drive. That's the kind of testing we're talking about here. We're talking about every single day kind of testing God's word, God's commandments, by basically doing them, practicing them. All too often, I think, we... This is another one of those big pitfalls of doing the will of God, is we read what the Bible says. We think, that was some good Bible study I just did there. And then we put the Bible down and we just kind of go about our day. The problem with that is you're not actually practicing what it said. I mean, in my experience, you actually have to kind of practice something to get better at it. Like, I took four years of Spanish in high school. I should be fluent. I th- you know, I, this is what I think anyway. I haven't used Spanish since high school. Like, I, you know, it's like, I can, I, yeah, it's like, I can tell you, tu gato es verde. But I, that's about it. You know, it's like, that's what I can do. It's like, and that's the, be- and that's the best pronunciation I can muster up, too. Like, I can't, like, 
and kind of roll the R's. Um, the point is, I didn't use any of my Spanish skills since I graduated, right? Like, I walked out of Spanish class, I never used those skills again. It's like, unless I need to tell someone their cat is green, like, I'm pretty much screwed. Um, yeah. So, the point is, we actually need to practice these things. I mean, we've got, so it's like we've got the Bible, and it's good. We can open it up, and we can read it. Like, we can, we can totally go back to Colossians 5, like where Matt was yesterday, or, yeah, you know, where Matt was, and just be like, okay, like, don't be, you know, immoral, don't be greedy, don't be, like, don't be all this. It's like, okay, that's good. And then if you go out and you don't actually live that, if you don't practice it, you will never get anywhere, basically. I mean, I don't want to discourage people who are trying and struggling to follow God's will in their lives, or people who are like, yeah, I can totally see this thing in my life sucks, and wow, why am I still doing it? It's like, you know what? Continue to do it. Continue to fight. Don't give up, right? Like, if you are someone who struggles with, you know, and I'm not thinking of anybody specific here. I'm just throwing stuff out. If you're someone who struggles with lying to fit in, you know, it's like, and you kept, keep catching yourself doing that, like being like, oh man, I lied to those people again so they'd think I'm cool. Like, keep fighting that. Don't just, you know, don't just be like, well, I, I guess I'm never going to stop. I guess this is just how I'm going to be forever. You know, it's like, continue to study God's word and renew your mind. And that's, and, and that's more than just like going and reading like thou shalt not lie. It's like reading like, why don't we lie? Why do, why do we not like that? Like, why is that bad? You know, it's like, and as you study, as you study the word, as you study and practice God's commandments more, you will become, you know, it, it becomes more than just a, like, oh, I shouldn't do that, I guess. It becomes a, like, wow, I do- actually don't want to do this anymore. So, the point is, continue to practice. Continue to do it, do it regularly. I mean, Colossians 3, 2, like we go back to Colossians 3 real quick, says, you know, set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are of earth. It's like, you can, and it's, it's not just, you know, it, once again, it's not just enough to say like, wow, this is bad, I should not do this. It's like, you can't just like rem- try and like push the bad stuff out and then expect the good stuff to just fill the vacuum. It doesn't work that way. I mean, it's like, try, just telling yourself like, oh, I can't do this is like, have you ever tried to? Have you ever tried to like not think about something? Have you ever done that? It doesn't work. It's like it's like, it's like if you try not to think about polar bears, it's like you're going to have to think about polar bears. <laughs> they don't think about polar bears. <laughs> exactly, because it's like it's, I mean, <laughs> Olivia enjoys thinking about polar bears. I'm glad I could make this enjoyable for you. If I, if I get it, if I get one thing right this morning, I made Olivia happy. Um, this morning, <laughs> dude, I got like two hours of sleep last night. It, it just, it does not feel like my internal clock is my my internal clock is gone. Um, anyway, yeah, I mean the the point I'm trying to make is. It's not enough to just be like, oh, I should not do this. Like, just read about it. Just think, oh, I should not do this. That is bad. It's like, those things are good. It is good to, it's good to acknowledge that, you know, it's good to acknowledge what is good and bad. It's good to approve those things. But to do that means more than just an intellectual, like, I think this is good, I think this is bad, but then I still do it sometimes. It's like, it's like you got to practice. 
I mean, and this is the, this is where I kind of get back to that that hard aspect of like, you know, I, there is no kind of shortcut. Now, to be fair, God does help us in the process, and sometimes we get through stuff like just like that, and sometimes it takes a lifetime. I mean, but the you know, the point is like even the bet, you know, just. Like, if you've been around the church long enough, you probably know some people who you feel like, okay, that, that guy over there, that girl over there, they've got it all figured out. Like, they are such a good Christian, right? Like, they're so good at it, they don't struggle with, like, half the stuff I do. What's their secret? Well, the secret is they practiced it. Like, I'm not a, it's a, I'm not a big NBA guy, but for but you know, NBA example, like, you look at Stephen Curry and you think, like, how does he do all those, you know, th- tricky three-point shots all the time? Just, like, makes it look like it's not a, makes it look super easy. It's like, if you go out on the court and try and shoot three-pointers like Stephen Curry, you are not going to do it at all. Like, it will take you many years. It took because it took him many years. Like, this is one of those, this is one of those parts I don't like about teaching. And is when I come to a hard truth and I'm like, I wish I could make this an easier truth, but it's a hard truth to to water it down, to boil it down, would be to turn it into something else, right? Would be to tra- you know transmute it into something that it's not. The truth is practice. And there's one, there's one more thing I want to make sure we're kind of clear on, though, before we, before we head out here. And that is, practice only works if we are practicing correctly and if we are willing to do so. There's the, that word willing again. Practice only works if we actually do it. The hard part is when we don't actually want to change, and this is more common than this is more common than you'd think. Um, it's something I it's something I know I have had issues with nonstop. I mean, even being up here is just a huge hard thing for me because, to some degree, like I almost don't want to get over my fears. I am so used to my fears. I am so. You know, it's like they are so familiar to me that I feel like to give up. You know, to to kind of put my fears aside and to actually follow God into what he is telling me to do and what he wants me to, you know, what he wants for me, feels like I am losing my identity and like I am giving up a part of me. And for a while, it's like I was unwilling, you know, unwilling to try and face my, you know, face all of my, my fears with respect to just, you know, not just public speaking, like not just being up here, but being in this building you know, just being in this building and having to be, and having to not, try not to be afraid of people, like, finding out that apparently I, that I am just the worst person, apparently, you know, just, but, like, those insecurities were a part of who I was. I internalized them. I felt, you know, I, I felt like giving them up was a bad thing, but it's like, when we, when we obey God, when we follow him, when we do what he asks of us, we get to find out who we are really truly supposed to be. We don't lose our identities. We gain a new one. There's another verse. 2 Corinthians 5.12. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It's like, no, you're not the same anymore. This process, it's a transformative process. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. It is a transformative process. But the result is something good, is something 
unspeakably good. We may never achieve the full version of that on this earth, right? I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't want to discourage people who are fighting the, who are fighting the fight right now. Like, just like, definitely keep doing that. It's worth it. But it is, at the end of the day, it is a process. We have to choose to set our minds on the things of the spirit. We have to choose not to put our minds on the on the flesh. We have to choose to think, you know, well, choose to value new things. We have to choose to pursue God's word, to study it. And I feel like last time I was up here, I was harping on read your Bibles, but honestly, that is where God reveals his word to us. Like, yes, you are going to hit, you know, the, the young goat verses every once in a while, and it's going to be confusing, and you're not going to know what he's talking about. But the more you study it, like, part of the reason I get up here when, you know, every once in a while, like, part of the reason I actually, the, the, the reason I stand up here is because I really love getting to share what I have found in here. And it's stuff that you find, the more you read it, the more you understand, the more you kind of get those connections, and it's a beautiful thing. So, and my, my usual encouragement to, pe- to folks is like, if you're not reading your Bible, start anywhere. Some places are better than others for sure, but just, just start, just 10 minutes a day even, just to prove you can do it. I mean, because that is one of the major components of having your mind renewed, is figuring out what does my mind look like now? What should my mind look like now? What should I be thinking about now? All right, so at this point, we're going to head off to our small groups. There's a few things I would encourage you to kind of be thinking about, though. One of those is just, are you spending more time worrying about God's future plans, or are you, kind of, are you spending more time worrying about, maybe worrying about is the wrong word, are you spending more time trying to figure out God's future plans, or are you, try, are you trying to figure out who you should be now? Another thing is, is there, you know, are you practicing what you read? What, what, are you practicing what you hear the guy standing up here teach? Like, are you practicing these things? And if you're not, why? All right, and with that, I think I am going to pray to close us here. So, okay. Lord, we thank you for revealing your wor- your will in Scripture to us, Lord. I thank you that it is not this big mystery, this enigma, like how do we please God, like that is there, and that it's even possible for a human being to do what is right and pleasing in your sight. When we are so messed up and we come from such gnarly backgrounds of sin, you know, every one of us has just so much baggage, so much sin weighing us down, and yet somehow you have made a way for us to be able to please you. And not just somehow, it's through the blood of your Son, Lord. You have made it possible. Lord, I pray that you would bless our hearts and minds as we study your word, as we strive to understand what you have for us and who you want us to be and what you are calling us out of and what you are calling us into. Lord, may we not love our old identities, which are just nasty and gross, just need to be thrown away. Maybe we love the new identities you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.